everybody, and welcome back to Lipstick and Lightsabers. I am Shannon. And I'm Alex. And we are back again with another episode of The Bad Bachelor with episodes 9 and 10 of -hmm. The Bad Batch. We're already that deep into the show. We are 10 episodes deep. Where has the time gone? Um, I don't know. Like... So we have how many ep- we keep on I keep on asking this question how many episodes are in this <laughs> You keep on asking and I'm like I still don't know <laughs> Was it 16? I think it's 16 So like we just passed that the halfway mark I guess Yeah which makes sense because like episode 8 was like intense mm-hmm. and then episode 9 is the revolution which we'll talk about today I I do think we got a mid-season trailer before episode 9 Yeah so, so we're on the other end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I was talking to my mom last night about how the ta- passage of time feels all wonky right now. Because <laughs> I was watch- we were watching Never Have I Ever, um, which, yeah. by the way, if you haven't watched, like, we both recommend. Yeah, season, season two is coming really soon, so you'll really want to watch season one. Yeah, but I wanted to look up because I had a feeling that Paxton was older than the cast. And I, I looked him up, and he was born in 1991. And I'm like, oh, that's not that old. But <laughs> the main character who plays Davy, she was born in 2001. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow, she's so young. But then I'm like, well, it's 2021, so she's turning 20. And I just can't comprehend that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Um, speaking of that actress, I, of course, I don't know her name off the top of my head because we prepare for this. But she will be playing Lizzie Bennett. In That's a modern right. version of Pride and Prejudice, which I think is the most genius casting ever. I think no, that like Davy Davy is Never a Lizzie. Is yeah, a Lizzie. She is Bennett. Lizzie. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Inspired. It, that is inspired. I, I'm really, really excited for this. <laughs> yeah, no, that was amazing. My mom got so into it when we finished it. She was like, is this only one season? Please don't tell me that it's only one season. I'm like, well, the second season is coming in like a week or two. And she was like, <gasps> so it was great. Um, but before we get to that, uh, so we got some other things to talk about. So for recommendations... Mm-hmm. I finished the book I was talking about when we were talking about Higher Public, which was The Prison Healer, and I can officially recommend it. And Alex, you have to read this book. Okay. I sent you that tweet about how, like, love language can be when it's like, this book destroyed me. Here, you read it. <laughs> <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> it's obviously heavily inspired by The Throne of Glass. Um, the author, Lynette Noni, is friends with Sarah J. Moss, and... You can get a lot of those tones in there, but it all takes place within this, like, really brutal prison. There is this girl named Kiva, who is the healer, and she is amazing and really cool. And the ending, even though, like, I knew something was going to happen, I was, the way it was done was very interesting. And the next book's actually coming out in October, so So how new is this book? It actually came out in April. Okay. I just checked my Libby app and it, they didn't have it. So I was wondering like if it was really brand new. Yeah. I actually think I managed to pick it up when it had first come out. I was just mm-hmm. like looking at the library. I picked it up on a whim because it had Sarah J. Moss's name on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the second book's already done and it's coming out in October, which is wild. But our other recommendation, which goes into the news, um, episode four of Loki I know we talked about Loki, like, a few days ago when we recorded our 
um, High Republic episode. No, editing that after watching after episode watching four of Loki, Loki was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, we were already, like, wrecking Loki, like, saying, like, oh, if you're not watching Loki, like, what are you doing? Um, neither of us were expecting episode four. I can't underestimate, <laughs> can't, like, undersell <laughs> this show. Wow. No spoilers, but... Yeah, we won't spoil it. It is, like, we are full lipstick and low-key trash. Um, Yeah. Oh, boy. If you like The Last Jedi, this is your stuff. (laughs) No, like, I woke up, and Alex had already watched it, and she was just like, I feel like watch like I feel like I've when I watched The Last Jedi for the first time and I was like, whoa. I was like, this like, the, the feeling of watching this for the first time was, like, that like eye-opening and inspiring is watching last jedi for the first time yeah no it it felt so good that feeling like has nothing to do with like the comparisons because there's obviously like some pretty strong comparisons between last jedi and this episode but like i'm just talking about like how i felt watching it well and i feel like it's the the way it was written and like the obvious care that went into it like yeah obviously there are very <laughs> obvious parallels to the last jedi but where i think it really parallels it is just the care for these characters in the story that like really went yeah. into it and i'm just <laughs> like wow <laughs> like, i just like really hope ryan johnson saw it oh you know he did like i feel like they I called really, him <laughs> like i even like I think that if he hasn't had time to watch it yet, I'm sure he's had, like, friends and family members tell him, like, you need to watch this. Yeah, and this ties back to me watching Never Have I Ever with my mom. Uh, I've also been making her watch Loki, and when we started it, she's like, I don't want to watch this. I don't like Loki. And I'm like, well, too bad. (laughs) What about it? Um, (laughs) And when we finished episode four... She said, you know, I think I actually like Loki. You know, like, I didn't understand him before. I think I, I, I like him now. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so, you know, this show, yeah. it's it's doing a lot for his character. <laughs> yeah. Kate Heron. Um, Goddess. Cares. Goddess. She cares. Yeah. <laughs> and then we also have um, Michael Waldron, another one of the writers on the show. Um, he... Had, he did a really, really cool Marvel.com interview, and, like, I highly recommend reading that if you've seen the episode. And he is also writing a Star Wars. He is writing the Star Wars movie that Kevin Feige is producing. Mm-hmm. Which is, like, I'm looking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I take back all the things I said about Kevin Feige when he was first announced <laughs> that he was going to produce the Star Wars. Yeah. I take it back. Hopefully we'll still get some women on that show. Because I, I also think that... Oh, I think it's a movie, right? It's not Yeah, it's not yeah, yeah on the movie. Because um, mm-hmm. I, I do think a big reason, again, why Loki is so good is there's a lot of women behind the scenes. Like, there was even that article yeah. about how the actress who plays Sylvie was breastfeeding, and they worked with the mm-hmm. costume designers so that she could still breastfeed, like, in between takes. Like, that was amazing. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's the little things that just go so far. Yeah. Um, As far as any other news, though, everything pretty much is just about the High Republic right now. So if you haven't listened to our High Republic episode, we cover everything over there. So highly recommend go listen to it if you haven't read the books. Also recommend those. Very, very good. 
Honestly, between Rising Storm and Loki, like I've, I'm so well fed. I feel very, very nice. <laughs> it's been it's been a really good content week. Yeah, <laughs> um, definitely not in a drought right now. No, no, we are not. So let's get into the Bad Badge. So we have episode nine, which is Bounty Lost, and episode ten, Common Ground. And I remember when we watched episode eight, we were like, okay, so when's the like? How long is it going to be with Omega and the Bad Batch separated? Is she going to go to Camino? Like, what's going to happen? Yeah. And, like, we completely, like, <laughs> didn't. <laughs> we were so off. Well, our predictions for the show have been so off. Yeah. <laughs> like, really off. Well, I predicted that we might see Fennec again. Yeah. Wasn't technically wrong. But you know what? It's good that we're off because it's surprising and it, like, keeps us on our toes. This is very true. <laughs> this is very true. So the episode mostly focuses on Omega getting away from Cad Bane. She is separated from our Bad Batch. Uh, for most mm-hmm. of the episode, they do manage to rescue her at the end. But one of my favorite things <laughs> is that when we open up with Omega and Cad Bane, he keeps calling her little lady. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's very, like, western It's very western Listen, I know that there is love for Cad Bane, and I see you, and I see it, but only with well, the you hat. Like, you like Cad with the hat, Only yeah. with the hat. <laughs> only with, keep the hat no, on. Oh, yeah, because his hat gets knocked off, and I'm like, uh, never mind. <laughs> yeah, you don't like that shiny blue hat. No, it's, I don't, he's bald. <laughs> I guess the bad badger... Yeah, I was gonna. Well, you like Hunter the most. No, right? I like Wrecker like, the Hunter. most. No, well, Wrecker's bald. Yeah, but like it works for Wrecker. It doesn't work for Cad Like you're saying, there's like more texture to like Wrecker's head. It's not just like a shiny blue ball. N- no, I just it like Wrecker with hair like wouldn't make sense. I guess unless he was like Emmett Cullen. <laughs> it's like a Mister Clean Even effect. Yeah, Emmett Collin has some pretty short hair, though. Well, in the books, he's got, like, cherubic curls. Oh, yeah. <laughs> cherubic curls. Like, hunt a wrecker as Emmett Collin. Oh but he is, though. He would carry around a bag yeah. of eggs. <laughs> he would. He would. He's dumb. On the, the bag of eggs. <laughs> um, but anyway, so we do learn officially that Cad Bane, well... I feel like we kind of already knew this, but like officially Cad Bane is working for the Kaminoans, specifically the Prime Minister Lama Su, and he specifically wants to kill Omega once they're done with her, um, which does not sit well with the head scientist Nala Singh. I was under the impression that everyone wanted Omega alive. Mm-hmm. Well, they they do want her alive, just not forever. Mm-hmm. But, like, why Why not for longer, though? Because, like, I mean, they kept Django, like, I mean, Django was killed, but, like, Django, like, they didn't kill Django after they created clones. Yeah, I, I think it's because, like, they, I'm trying to remember back to the first few episodes when they were talking about it. I, I think they want to make new clones, and since Omega... Seems like she might be more trouble than she's worth. It sounds like Lama Singh just wants to, like... Or Lama Sue. Their names are really weird. Um, just wants to get 
the genetic information that they need and then just dispose of her so that like the bad batch won't keep coming for her she won't try to escape i i think that's kind of where he's going with it yeah so omega being a pure genetic replication of Django, that means that she probably does not have force sensitivity no i i guess i mean it, it's not technically out of the question we don't really know how that manifests mm-hmm. with people because she is obviously different in a way um but it's interesting so like we learn in this um like tech always is ready with an answer uh she she is a pure genetic replication of Django fett and there's only one other like that um codename alpha which is boba fett so she's Mm -hmm. technically like if boba is technically Django's son she would be like his sister interesting I didn't think about it like that. I really didn't think about it like that. And, like, so with with Baba and Omega, they decided not to enhance their aging like normal clones. Like, they're growing up at a normal rate, I think. Right. Yeah. And I think – so I was trying to kind of figure out if Boba and her are the same age, if they were created at the same time. And, like, Django just wanted one. Like, he wanted to keep one, like, as a son. And so he raises Boba. So that begs the question, like, why did they create Omega at all? Yeah. And I I do think it's because, because, like, Nala Singh doesn't want her harmed. She seems really concerned about her. I, I think they probably created her just to have, you know, like, as a backup. But then I think, you know, through raising her she kind of became, like, a daughter and just yeah. doesn't want anything to happen to her. Yeah, it, it's, like, it It causes a lot of questions. Then, like, I just watched a, like, this is, like, kind of off topic, but I just watched an episode of the Orville where there's a species that is all male and um, a couple has a female and it's, like, super rare. And, like, they're wondering what to do with this kid because like their society doesn't have females and it kind of reminds me of the clones because like the clones are all male too yeah it it is interesting because i i feel like making her a female like was a choice because every other time they've been men you know it was was it something that like nala singh did for herself or they just wanted to try to see if they could do it. Like, those are my questions. Yeah, I really want, like, right now, what I really want is, like, a sit-down with Omega and Nala Singh. Like, why she was created, what exactly is she, like, all that kind of stuff. Because, like, she is, you know, that, like, that pure genetic code that is Django Fett. They can Mm -hmm. use her to make more clones. But I almost feel like there's something more to her And that could be more into nurture rather than nature. So instead of how she's created, it might have just been how she was brought up. Because, like, her and Boba Fett are, like, very different. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Now, why are they only going after Omega for pure genetic replication? Well, they said that um, Boba Fett disappeared at the start of the Clone Wars, which we know because Jango Fett was killed. So I guess instead of trying to look for him. But, like, at this point... Isn't he... Well, like, he's in Dark Disciple, 
So, like, so the bounty hunters, I feel like the bounty hunters are aware of where Boba Fett is. But is he, like, broadcasting who he is, though? Oh, I don't know. Like, I feel like he might be kind of in hiding. Okay. So I'm, I'm okay. not sure. I, I do think we'll get more from that. And I do wonder now if this is going to tie in more with the book of Boba Fett. Like, mm-hmm. if he will learn that he has a sister or, like, anything like that. That would add Ooh. something to his character. Oh, my gosh. And, like, the connection with Fennec? Yes. That's a good point. Ooh. That's interesting. Well, and, like, let's let's talk about Fennec, because she does come back, and she's working specifically for Nala Singh to make sure that Omega doesn't get into the Prime Minister's hands. So she shows up yeah. and kind of helps. I wouldn't say she helps Omega escape, because Omega seems to be doing pretty okay, um, but she mm-hmm. certainly keeps Cab Bane from getting her. Yeah, and they have a pretty violent fight, too. Like, Fennec gets pretty hurt. Cad Bane gets pretty heart hurt. Like, they're, like, tumbling together and, like, shooting at each other and all that. And Omega kind of escapes while they're doing that. I guess she kind of serves as a distraction, um, Fennec does. And then at the end of this episode, when Fennec kind of offers, like, oh, like, I can I can get Omega and bring her to you. Now Singh is like, no, like, leave her. Yeah, well, she knows that she's safe with the Bad Batch. Yeah. Really, she just doesn't want her, like, anywhere near the Prime Minister. She doesn't want her back on Kamino, um, which is interesting. You know, like, she really does have, like, her best interests at heart. Yeah. And I, I like that um, as far as Finnick is concerned, like, you know, she's not going to try to take her and bring her in just for money or anything like that either, which is interesting. So do you think in, in the first episode we, that we see Fennec, Fennec was first commissioned by the Prime Minister and then... Nala Singh offered her more later on for for this? I think so. I, I think, because it sounds like at the beginning when he says that he wants her terminated once they're done with her, that was the first time Nala Singh had heard that because of her, like, her reaction. She's like, what? Excuse <laughs> me? So I think when mm-hmm. that happened, she, you know, like, called up Finnick Shand and was like, hey, I'll pay you more. Yeah, I'll, do- I'll- I'll double what they're offering yeah. you, keepers. Yeah, exactly. I really like that. That's like it's very interesting. And Finnick in this does seem a little bit more sincere when she's like, "Listen, I'm trying to help mm-hmm. you. Like, you can come with me." I think maybe if she had, <laughs> if they had met like first here, things might have been different. Um, whereas on Pantora, she <laughs> was chasing her down. But I really like that, and I I think that in this episode, Finnick. Definitely creates an enemy with Cad Bane. Like, I feel like now they have a, like, a specific connection where they are at odds now. And we could definitely see that in, like, War of the Bounty Hunters and the Boba Fett show. Like, I, I'm into that. The Boba Fett universe is getting interesting. And I don't, I never thought I'd say no, that. Neither did I. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, I don't really care what this show is. And now I'm like, ooh, maybe this thing could happen, you know? Like, from to me, from my point of view, Star Wars is going from Boba Fett being this merchandise-driven character to actually become a character who deserves the kind of merchandising they're getting. Yeah. 
Which I like. It's like somebody was like, you know what? Mm-hmm. Like, we're already profiting off this character. Why don't we flesh him out? Now I'm like, I, I, I see all the Boba Fett merchandise. And I'm like, yeah, that's warranted now. He's not just everywhere for no reason. Yeah, it's like, you know what? Maybe maybe I want Boba Fett stuff. Like, who knows? I'm, <laughs> I cannot believe that. There is another thing in this episode, kind of before we round it out, though. And I think it's that... You know, while they're on this, like, abandoned station thing, which is really cool, there's, like, all this fog, and they're kind of in the sky, um, I, was this, like, an abandoned cloning facility? It looks like it. Like, those, like, um, at one point you see, like, figures in, like, glass vial kind of thing, they look, it's kind of like Exegol. But in a, in in an actual facility, yeah. not like not in a Sith like temple or whatever that yeah, is. It's still a pickle jar, though. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's still a giant pickle jar. Yeah, there's a moment though where Omega is like looking into this containment tank, and like we get to see her, like her reflection. So you know she's thinking like that could be me or like what am I kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that added a lot of depth to her character. Just like those two quick moments. I really wish we could get, like, like I know Omega is younger, but I, I would love to be, like, in her head, like, in, like, a young adult kind of, le- kind of paced book, Ooh. you know? Yeah. But, I mean, she's, what, she's 10? How old is she? And how old is Boba Fett? <laughs> well, she could be younger, right? She could be younger than Boba Fett? She could be younger than Boba Fett. It, it would depend on when... She was created. So I would say I'd probably take however old Boba Fett was at the beginning of the Clone Wars. So like when we saw him in Attack of the Clones and she's either that age or like maybe a year or two younger. So like give give her five years, right? A YA book about mm-hmm. her. Yeah, I, I just think that there's a lot going on there. It's, it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. If she were to survive this, if she was somehow separated from the Bad Batch, like, would she go looking for Boba Fett? You know? Like, that's... There's a lot to be done with that character, I think. She could get... I, I see her as someone who's curious about her past, so she would. Oh, yeah. 100%. If you were gonna have, like, any writer write her her YA book, who would you have? I mean, Claudia. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking um, Ray Carson. Yeah? No, that would be interesting. I Because she wrote um, Most Wanted, right? She did. Mm-hmm. And I think that the style that Most Wanted is written in would really serve Omega well. That Yeah, I agree with that. I could also see Justina just because Dread Nation is kind of Western. Um, especially, yeah. like, when they um, leave like, the compounds mm-hmm. and stuff, and they go out and they fight all the zombies. Like, it's very Western. Yeah. So I could see her even doing a little something like that. So the final thing in this episode is when the Bad Batch rescue her. Um, basically, like, Omega was amazing. Like, she gets out of Cad Bane's reach. Like, she contacts the Bad Batch. She even, like, gets a ship and is trying to fly away when the Bad Batch find her. But... <laughs> When they pull her in, and she goes immediately to Hunter and hugs him and starts crying. Yeah. Hunter is her dad. Yeah. Literally. And then the rest of them are her uncles. And we had a conversation about them being, like, the Wizard of Oz, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. About how she's Dorothy and Hunter is the Scarecrow um, 
tech slash echo or kind of like the tin man mm-hmm. and then um wrecker is the cowardly lion wow <laughs> <laughs> it's just uh it was so good like and he, the way he's asking her like are you okay like are you hurt he is he is a dad he is officially a dad and the last scene in this episode is like them talking and he like gets down like on his knees to like see her at eye level and he's like you are never going back to Camino. like we're gonna keep you safe <laughs> it's so good he's such like hunter is the best star wars dad he is maybe bail bail organa and hunter this is true because bail organa is like how to describe <laughs> bail organa is like a house husband you know <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> I mean, I think Hunter would be, too, if he had a partner. I feel like Hunter, just like with Cut and Run, would, like, retire on, like, a farm and wear, like, cut-off mm-hmm. shirts and just... Aprons. <laughs> aprons. Yeah. Bake some cookies. Like, maybe he's the one who's going to take up cooking. Maybe. I was thinking about their hobbies again today. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we were spot on with, like, so many of them, but I really do think that, like, Hunter, now I'm, like, I bet he didn't like reading until Omega, and I bet he reads to Omega, and now I'm, like, he'll probably start cooking like for Omega. Yeah, all his hobbies are for Omega. Yeah. And, like, he probably gets, like, interested in her hobbies, too. Yes, 100%. Like, wow. Wow. He's the type of dad who would let Omega dress... You know why he's the best dad? Because he's a girl dad. Um, (laughs) He would let Omega dress him up and, like, put nail polish on him and, like, have a tea party. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what I'm picturing? Like, that that scene in Toy Story, like, with Miss Nesbitt, like, when Buzz is, like, dressed up like Miss Nesbitt and they're having a tea party. Like, that's, like, exactly how I'm picturing it. Oh my gosh, I love that. So this carries over into the next episode, I believe, because Hunter is, like, very aware now that, like, people want Omega and he has to keep her safe. So in the next episode, which is Common Ground, we are finally introduced to, like, what it's like on a Separatist planet during these, like, early days of Imperial occupation and mm-hmm. Sid charges the Bad Batch to go and rescue a Separatist senator. And Hunter is like, there is no way yeah. Omega's coming with us. Hunter is like, well, at first, Hunter doesn't even want to do it. He's like, I don't want to help the Separatists. Before that's, you, before Omega's even an issue, he doesn't want to do mm-hmm. it. Well, it's, it's kind of an issue for all the Bad Batch. They're like, why on earth mm-hmm. would we help the Separatists? Which is so interesting. Like, I'm glad that they decided to explore that. Because have we really seen separatist stuff post the clone wars no yeah it's i mean like i was thinking about that too because it's like well every everything was being like orchestrated by palpatine so even if the separatists had won we still would have had the empire it just would have been flipped so it it is really interesting to see like how they are reacting to the imperial occupation because like there is unrest happening on Raxus, which is the planet we're going to go to. And, like, they're not happy with it either. So it's kind of like, you know, with the clones, it's not like 
they have the Republic anymore. They aren't with the Empire. They still don't seem to like the Separatists. So I, I think they're all kind of being confronted with, like, we don't really have anywhere to turn. Oh, um, yeah. Would you agree in saying that, like, Echo has, like, the strongest reaction? Echo? Yeah, I think so. I mean, like, after being captured for so long, mm-hmm. it would affect him. I, I think it's interesting that he really is able to, like, help this senator. And by the end, I feel like he really understands him and, like, kind of... Yeah. I'd love to know what's going on in his head. I think Echo's very open-minded for that. Like, that's that's some character development right there. Yeah. Even though he's, like, the Ten Man, I would say, like, he is very, like, empathetic almost, like, mm-hmm. he, he definitely seems kind of like the quiet, like, introvert-feeling type. You, like, does that make sense? Yeah. Like, what MBTI is he? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is he the Ben Solo MBTI? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I love that for him. He's so adorable. Um, but what did you think of, of Raxus, like, at the beginning of this episode? It's a beautiful planet. I got, like, super Phantom Menace vibes. Mm-hmm. Just, like, by the, like, grandeur of, like, what are the, the, those walkers, like, when they came in? I, I don't remember what those kind of walkers are called. I'm, I'm not a real Star Wars fan. <laughs> but it really reminded me of the parade at the end of Phantom Menace. It, it keeps reminding me that, like, Star Wars is fully capable of giving us like, a Regency medieval Victorian level story set on one of these planets. (laughs) These are, like, castles and, like, beautiful grounds. And I'm like... -hmm. Like, they are capable of giving us this story. They just haven't done it yet. They could do it in the High Republic. Oh, I'm positive we are going to get it from the High Republic. And I'm positive Kevin Scott's the one who's going to give it to us. (laughs) Um, Because he's also recognizing that the Jedi Order is literally Hogwarts. So yeah, but it was really cool to see. And I I really liked the senator. Um, His name is, where is it? Um, Avi Singh. We are also introduced to his droid GS8. Yeah. So like right away when she started talking, I was like, I know this voice. I don't know who it is, but, like, I recognize this voice. So I look it up. And it's none other than the actress who plays Claire in Fleabag. So um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge's TV sister. So I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. A GSA um, L337 spinoff? Please. And, like, (laughs) honestly, like, L3 is Star Wars Fleabag. And so I feel yeah, like GSA, and GSA is, is Claire. <laughs> like that would just be so perfect. And I GS8 in this was amazing. Like mm-hmm. I, with her her, her boss, boss, like her ancient boss. And she sacrifices she's carrying it, it around too. the whole time. Yeah, she's carrying it around the entire time, and then she sacrifices it for for their for their escape. Yeah, and then the senator's like, I didn't like that boss anyway. <laughs> oh my god no she's amazing she's an icon and honestly so like at the end of this episode like most of this episode is just them like rescuing the senator it's very action heavy um i mentioned this to alex beforehand when i watched it again like if it wasn't for how pretty raxus was like it was a little bit boring um but when Mm -hmm. they escape like 
the senator is very much like, I can't leave my people. This was a moment right right before they got onto the Bad Batch's ship mm-hmm. um, where he kind of turns back and looks into the woods and is like, I, I don't know if I can do this. And, you know, like, GS8 tells him, like, you, like, you won't be able to help him if you're imprisoned by the Empire. So then that convinces him to go with the Bad Batch. Well, Echo tells him, you know, like, you need to live to fight another day. Yeah. Which is amazing. Like, right there. Um, I I feel like this is going to be somebody who becomes part of the Rebellion. And it's... In- I hope so. Well, like, it's interesting because, you know, Mon Mothma and, like, Bail Organa are part of the Rebellion. They're part of the Republic. Like, I never even thought about how there's probably um, Separatists that are also part of the Republic. Or not the mm-hmm. Republic, the Rebellion. It, it brings, like, a whole nother layer to the common ground. Because, like, on this, it's well, like, well, they're against the Empire. Bloodline. Same thing. Bloodline is completely about that. It, it is. It, it absolutely is. You're so right. I, I really love that Star Wars is able to show that, like, there are these two sides, but there is a bigger threat. And they are able to find common ground. That's the name of the episode. <laughs> So let's talk about Omega with Sid in this episode. Yeah. So Omega has to stay behind um, because Hunter doesn't want to bring her to a separatist planet. Um, So Omega stays behind. Sid makes her (laughs) clean, like, the bar stools and the bar and everything. Um, But instead, she starts playing hollow chess and... She wins back the entire Bad Batch's debt for Sid. Like, amazing. I mean, like, this is Omega's hobby. (laughs) Hollow chess. I want to see her play tech. Like, at the end of this episode, we see her play Hunter. Which plays into me saying that Hunter's hobbies are what... What Omega likes. Like, Omega is interested in. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Hunter would take Omega to dance class. Like, you know, <laughs> this is also Bail Organa as a girl dad. Listen, I, I hate when it's like, I'm a hashtag boy mom. But then it's like, oh, but a girl dad. <laughs> um, no, like, o- Omega is really feeling left out. I, I think she's dealing with, like, she feels like she's helpless, which Sid does call her. And then Sid kind of realizes, like, this kid kind of needs some help. And when Omega shows interest in this hollow chess game and she, like, brings her in, it's really interesting. Like, Omega, in these past two episodes, is so independent. Even though everybody thinks that she's, like, really helpless and can't do anything without the Bad Batch. Like, she is very capable to be on her own. Mm-hmm. And I don't, like, again, I don't think, I don't know if it really plays into Force abilities, but, like, she expresses in this that she's, like, really good at strategy and obviously so good that she's able to beat everybody and win back so much money. Yeah. I think she has a little bit of each of the Bed Batch in her. I like that. I hadn't thought about that. Because strategy is definitely, like, more of a tech thing. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense that she would have a little bit of Bad Batch in her. Yeah. And then she has, like, she has, like, the strategy of tech, but then she has, like, the empathy of Wrecker. And then, like, Hunter. I don't know what she has. It's There's something. Probably leadership. And I bet we'll see mm-hmm. that 
And if this is the case going forward, will we see her have something of crosshairs and will they take note of it and be like, I miss crosshair? The way this episode leads off, you know, they are now free from their debt with Sid. So they don't have to take bounties for her anymore. They can go off and do other things. I was also thinking about it. I, I feel like we're due for a crosshair episode. Yeah. We definitely are. He was in the beginning of episode nine, but not, he wasn't really doing anything. They were just chasing the Bad Batch. So I, I think we're definitely due for a check-in with him. Mm-hmm. How's he doing? How's he doing? How's his face? Is his face okay? Yeah. I, probably not. <laughs> um, so if we really are 16 episodes or like less than 20, you know, like we are halfway, we are, yeah. we have to start building towards something. Mm-hmm. Well, they just paid off the debt so they can leave Sid now. They're not tied to Sid anymore. So what are they going to do? Yeah, what's their what's their plan? Because they've just been kind of like avoiding being found. Mm-hmm. Are they going to want to find out more about Omega? I think that's a possibility. I think with Hunter... Everything is about just keeping Omega safe. He wants to stay on the down low. And I'm wondering if the rest of the Bad Batch, including Omega, because I think Omega probably wants to learn more about herself, are going to challenge that. Like, Hunter's going to try to say, like, well, we're going to go here and hide. And the others are going to be like, well, no, like, maybe we should Mm -hmm. go find Rex or maybe we should do this, you know. Maybe they'll reach out to Rex again. Yeah. I I still think that we're, like, for the season finale, and, like, we don't know if this is going to be multiple seasons. If it's multiple seasons, I don't see Crosshair coming back to the light anytime soon. But I do think this show has to be building towards some kind of showdown with Crosshair. I feel like something's going to happen. And we haven't quite started building that yet, so I feel like the next few episodes, like, that's that's my idea of where we're going to be going. Yeah. It's going to be that choice he's going to make. Like, he's going to have the free will to choose between the Bad Batch and the Empire, and he's going to still choose the Empire. (sighs) Oh, my God. Okay, but, like, what if he chooses the Empire, but then he still, like, realizes that they're bad and then, like, saves the others, but then, like, still doesn't want to go to the Bad Batch because he's like, well, you're not my family. Oh, my God, I'm just going to make myself sad. (laughs) Yeah, I could see that happening, that he... The Bad Batch has found themselves in a dire situation, like, captured by the Empire or, like, unable to escape the Empire, and Crosshair saves them. Mm-hmm. But doesn't go with them. Probably gets in trouble for that. Oh, that kind of reminds me of um, Fallen Order. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Well, you know, Star Wars is tragedy. The end of Fallen Order. <sighs> yeah. Speaking of Fallen Order, when are we getting Fallen Order 2? I don't know. Video games take a long time to make. I know. I'm, you know, it'll, it'll be eventually. Um, probably Celebration will get some info about it. I miss it. our boy. I really miss our boy. Yeah, Cal, our, good, our, our good pal, Cal. Our good pal. <laughs> Just a couple of pals. Uh, but I think that pretty much wraps it up for these two episodes of The Bad Batch. Do you have anything else that you want to mention with these? No. They were very good episodes. Bad Batch continues to be really good. Mm-hmm. 
Bad Batch continues to be very good. Um, High School Musical, the musical, the series continues to be very good. Dramatic. Oh. <laughs> so dramatic. <laughs> like, between these two, our Fridays are just full of drama. <laughs> and our Wednesdays are just full of, like, let's Raylo scream at each other. What are we going to do when Loki ends? What are we supposed to do then? Loki only has two episodes. Loki only has two episodes What left. are we supposed to do then, Marvel? I feel like when Loki ends... I know that Spider-Man is Sony, but I feel like that's when they'll start pushing Spider-Man. Yeah, well, and and um, Black Widow's soon. Oh, yeah. Black Widow's this weekend. As of this episode coming out this oh, weekend yeah, yeah, for this us. Weekend. <laughs> next mm-hmm. weekend. So Black Widow, Black Widow is going to be between episode five and six of Loki. Yes. Which, it's, it's weird because um, obviously it was supposed to come out like last year. Where does it take place in the timeline? Is it like a prequel? It's a prequel. Okay. I, I could not remember. Yeah. So it's going to be weird because like it kind of feels like fa- this phase of the MCU is very like multiverse driven mm-hmm. and this is going to be like a step back. Yeah. Though like it's getting really good reviews. I do have to say like anything's going to disappoint me after this episode of Loki. Yeah. Well, I feel like it's <laughs> it, its job is to establish like new Black Widow though. I, I don't know. I've, I have no idea. Um, but we'll be watching that when that comes out. I think it's the 7th. I'm pretty sure it's July 7th. No, it's a, it's a, it's a week from today, so the 9th. Or the 9th. You know, that works too. I thought it was the 9th. The 7th is a Wednesday. The 7th is a Wednesday? Oh, then it probably is the 9th. Listen, I, the passage of time. I don't understand. It's already July. I'm confused. I just, I don't know what's going on right now. But... <laughs> I do know that next week is more Bad Batch, and I'm very, very excited to see where we're going to be going with that. If you'd like to keep the conversation going, you can pretty much always find us on Twitter at lip underscore lightsabers. I am at McCarter Shannon, and Alex is at Alex Leonis, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>